in the Reading Corner today, I'm delighted to be welcoming Nyanda Fode and Joelle Avellino, who are the author and illustrator of Bookworms. Uh, this is a wonderful picture book that celebrates books, reading and inclusivity and diversity. So welcome to both of you. I'm glad you could both join me today. Um, Nyanda, I know that you are uh, a poet and you indeed are a former young poet laureate of Birmingham. Tell us what that role was like and and what you, you know, what you did during your time in that role. The idea of the Young Poet Laureate is you have to be under 18. So it's not like with the Children's Laureate, which is a laureate for children. The Young Poet Laureate is actually a young person who writes poetry and performs. And I got an incredible number of opportunities to the point of overwhelm. My first year, because it was a two year term, my first year was spent whilst I was still in Birmingham. My second year, I was doing university in Manchester. Um, so it became a lot of traveling back and forth. So I managed to do many amazing things, but also got taught the gift of being able to say no to things because it was so tiring. But I mean, bookworms only exists because of that laureateship. So what kinds of things did people call on you to do? So it was mostly commissions. Um mm. Bookworm started as a commission, actually. Mm. So it was a lot of people who wanted a poem written for an event. And then I would write it. And generally, they would want a performance as well. There mm. were occasionally people would book me to go and just do a bunch of readings. But a lot of the times, people specifically wanted a commissioned poem. Wow. And so you've moved from one city, which has a very vibrant poetry scene, to another because, of course, Manchester is the home of the very wonderful Lem Sissy, but also the Manchester Poetry Library. Yes, I am a complete city rat. I grew up in London, moved to Birmingham, and I'm now in Manchester. <laughs> I've done the big three. <laughs> and yeah, I it's one of those things where I know that I need to fully step into the Manchester poetry scene. But I properly grew up in the Birmingham poetry scene. I started going to nights and events at the age of 14. And it got to the point where I could go to any night and know that I would recognise someone that was there. Who got you into that scene? Was it um, family? Was it a teacher? Or was it totally self-driven? So I always wrote poetry. Um, mm. I always described poetry as, first and foremost, it is a coping mechanism for me. I'm a selfish poet. First and foremost, I write my poetry for me. Um, and I had a friend who went to do NCS and she heard about a night because they were just speaking to young people and boosting awareness of the events that were on. And like I said, I was about 14. I went to the first night and then for the next like solid year, I went to every night I could every single month and wrote a lot of poetry and performed a lot of poetry. So it was initially a friend that got me into it, but it was very much off my own back. I got myself to all the events and mm. all of that sort of stuff. Joelle, I wonder how you got into art. <laughs> I've always been drawing from when I was a little girl. And um, yeah, I've literally locked myself up in my room with music. And I'll just draw, I'll literally draw to song lyrics. Um, the days when we used to really buy magazines and the airport was online, I would draw my favourite artists. That's how I really started off. And then um, in secondary school, I picked art as a GCSE. That's like my favourite subject. And right up until university I always done an art discipline so um I following up to uni 
I did illustration and marketing. I kind of just started doing illustration because I enjoyed it and focusing on marketing because I knew I could get a job with um, when I finished uni. And as most people do, when I finished uni, I forgot about illustration and I went on to working in marketing for three years. And then I had my daughter and I started thinking, okay, I'm going to work every day. I really don't like what I'm doing. I'm spending more time over there than him. And then I just, my, my, uh, my best friend, she's actually a writer and a poet. And she would write uh, micro poems and I would illustrate them. And I just started um, posting it on Instagram. And then I remember getting a, um, an email from The Guardian and they wanted me to do a spread in um, The Guardian Weekend Mag. And I was just like, I literally, I remember freezing. I said, is this really happening? Like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So, um, yeah. And then literally from then, it's it's been up and down, you know, how it is freelancing. But since then, I just, that's when I realised, you know what, this is what I really want to do. And I just started being more consistent and um, just started having, given myself more briefs. And what I just mainly started doing is creating the jobs that I wanted to do, but making them, doing them for myself. So, yeah, so I just started doing briefs based on what I would want to be hired for. Yeah, and I've been an illustrator for the last five years now. You both sound very driven. <laughs> and for people who don't know, they will recognise your work from the cover of Floella Benjamin's Coming to England, you know, the, oh, new, yes. the new edition of that yes, book. Yes, the most recent one, yeah. You did do, I think, Floella's book about Windrush. Yes, I did a front cover and the uh, black and white illustrations inside. I also have seen your animation, and I think there's an animation of uh, Maya Angelou's Still I Rise, which I really yeah. loved. Like one of my favourite poems, so empowering. Also, somebody I was talking to recently, Kandasi Chimbiri, and you did her wonderful book on the history of Afro hair, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. That was a very special book. It's very needed as well. Mm. Um, so much great feedback. Till now, sometimes people ask, stop me and ask, what do you illustrate? Oh my gosh, my daughter absolutely fell in love with that book because of your drawing. She doesn't really like reading, but she read that book because she just loves the picture. Oh my gosh, mm. yeah, thanks. <laughs> you've both done amazing work, but we do want to talk about this book that you've worked on uh, together, or at least you have both worked on, even if you didn't do it together. Uh, so, Nyanda, tell us a bit about Bookworms, or maybe maybe just read it. Okay, let's jump straight into it. There's two ways you can read it. You can read it like a picture book or you can read it like a poem. So I'm mm. going to read it like a poem for you today. Yes. So this is Bookworms. We grow up looking for ourselves on phone screens, in movie scenes, in the streets. Listen for the sound of voices that ring perfect cadences over our own. Not everyone gets to see themselves when they're young. We're told we'll find our tribe. When we join the right club, go to the right sixth form, get accepted into the right uni, try the right passion, marry the right person, find our found family. And we often do, eventually. Doesn't make it any less lonely. So we spend nights curled around curled pages of reread books, under covers with phone torches, in corners of playgrounds, through lunch times in libraries where the silence hides the lack of people to talk to. Sometimes a book is a sole piece of driftwood to cling to when it feels like your life is going down with the ship. And sometimes a character is enough of a friend to remind you that there are others like you, 
that there is a narrative where you get to be the protagonist instead of the scenery. Sometimes when you're a child, the only people like you that you can meet are made of ink and simile. That's just how it works. And sometimes the only love you can receive is by proxy. Society doesn't always teach us what we deserve. And the only way to learn is through stories. And that anchor is enough to keep us from drifting out beyond reach because for every break spent between pages, there is another child finishing that same chapter. And every underrepresented story is being lived by someone who is loved, who is teaching the world to be ready for all the bookworms leaving the woodwork. Each publication is a peaceful protest, a hand outstretched, a promise that it gets better that there are families to be found and they are so excited to meet each new member. A good story shows you a new world. The right story shows that you can exist in this one. So powerful. So now you have to explain that to me. <laughs> you read it like a poem. I did. How I is that like different and why is it different? So because I write spoken word poetry, um, there is an element of performance to it. And you will have noticed that some of those lines are read very quickly and some of them are read very slowly. If I was to read it like a picture book, I would read all of it quite slowly and make sure that you, it's important that you hear every single word. When I read it like a poem, it's about the feeling and the building and the crescendos and the drops and the sudden stops and the pauses. So, for example, that not everyone gets to see themselves when they're young and it's when we join the right club, go to the right sixth form, get accepted into the right uni. When I'm reading it like a poem, there is no space between all of these separate lines because it's building this sense of the stack of things that you get told, building and building and building so that you then get the cut of. And we often do. Eventually, mm. so there's just like this whole extra sense of rhythm and pace and mood when you turn it into a poem. <laughs> I think this is really fascinating because it still has to have rhythm and pace, a different kind of rhythm and pace. And I just want to bring Joelle in here, actually, because you must surely be responding to that as an illustrator. Were you aware of, you know, trying to keep some of the flow of what Nyanda had written with the poetry? Um, yeah, you know, it was kind of, I enjoy illustrating some poetry because it lets me be quite intuitive and free with it as well. So um, you just kind of want to keep that with that flow. And again, my work is very bright, vibrant, bold. I use a lot of symbols. So I feel like it kind of mirrors and it works with the text. Mm. <laughs> well, if, if I can cut in there, there's something that struck me was how intuitively Joelle heard the rhythm. Because that example that I just used it is not by chance that that happens to be a spread where all of those words I said are all on the same spread. So mm -hmm. even though you don't have them all immediately following on from each other like a paragraph, it's still notable that they've all been sort of clumped together as separate lines in a way you don't see with other lines. So then when yeah. you turn to the next really empty spread, you recreate that feeling of building, building, sudden stop. Mm, wonderful. Um, we're going to come back to the illustration in a little while. You've already told us how important the spoken word is to, to you. I wonder whether poetry lends itself to activism, perhaps even more than prose. 
Oh, what a big question. <laughs> I think I would hesitate to say that poetry lends itself to activism more than prose. There's been plenty of historically incredibly important prose. And it's also that thing of art lends itself to activism. There's also been incredibly important visual media. But because poetry has this extra layer of mood and performance and it's so personal and so vivid and even people who don't like poetry have probably at some point experienced a line or a poem that has resonated in a way that is indescribable and difficult to ignore because the feeling of connection to people is so important in activism you know you don't get individualist activism it's about people sharing experience that makes poetry really good for it because poetry is a really good way to suddenly feel incredibly seen by someone else to think I how can you recreate such a specific emotional experience that I've had and it creates that instant tether of connection through people I think no wonder you were Birmingham's young children's laureate (laughs) poet laureate I can tell you so obviously this is about to some extent, the role that reading can play in your lives. Um, it's also about being seen. But if we could take those as separate ideas uh, to begin with, it's a little bit about reading being a lifesaver for many yeah. people. Tell us a little bit uh, about how that might have been so for you. Okay. There are sort of three main themes underlying the poem which are the importance of diversity in young people's books Mm. love of reading and then like you said the life-saving aspect of reading so I grew up a weird kid difficult socially struggling I was undiagnosed neurodiverse mentally ill and I also moved around a lot when I was younger so for example one line that I always come back to and I'm like this is a poem of lived experience is through lunchtimes in libraries where the silence hides the lack of people to talk to. I definitely spent lunchtimes reading because firstly, I love, I've always loved reading. I used to get told off for reading too much. Always loved reading, but also it can be a solitary activity, um, which is really important if you struggle to make friends or your friends are away or you just don't know. It's just an incredible place. And then also to this day, one of the best ways for me to start a conversation with a new person is if we both like a similar book. That is immediately an incredibly safe place for a conversation. I noticed that Joelle had put some very specific titles of books. There's Michael Moore Pergo's uh, Why the Whales Came in there. And um, there's a quotation from Emily Dickinson's poem about hope. I wondered where those came from. I wanted to have quotes in there and something on the books. However, I asked the publisher, the designer that I was working with, if there was anything specific that they might think might relate better with the book. And then we thought it would be great to ask Nyanga to see if she had a connection. I was just sort of asked about um, influential books when I was growing up. And Michael Mopurgo, oh, Michael Mopurgo was such a big part of my reading. When I was... I started reading very, very young. So when I was in year one, I had a really good teacher who would send me up to year six to get books. And the first book that I saw that I liked the look of 
was a Michael Morpurgo book. And I read it all. And then when I went up, overwhelmed by the array of choice, I just stuck with Michael Morpurgo books. So I read loads of them (laughs) at like a very early stage to this day. I just think he is incredible for being so willing to write such sad stories for children. (laughs) They're Mm. incredible. They're so, and they resonated with me and I loved them. So I knew that Michael Morpurgo had to be in there. Let's take us on to one of the other themes then in the story, which is about the right to be in a book, that everybody has the right to see themselves um, in a book. Do you think that's actually improving now? I think it is. I think we still have further to go, for sure. But I think it's definitely improving. I think I still read a lot of YA because that's just what I enjoy. And it's been really, really exciting. There are some really cool books coming out. And it's also the thing I always talk about. We always talk about diversity as it's such a gift to minorities to see themselves. It's also a gift to just get different stories. (laughs) Regardless of whether you're a minority or not, if you've read a lot of books, then you've probably read a lot of the same stories. So having these different stories, having these different authors also just creates the excitement of seeing stories and characters that you've never seen before. So that's really fun. But I think I think we can push it. I think we can go further. Absolutely. You know, it is a gift to everybody. We all deserve that. And I think there are still some areas of publishing, nonfiction, for instance, still tending to be predominantly stereotypical, I think, in lots of ways. Yeah. And I mean, also, it's the same thing when we talk about in TV, how we also need diverse directors and camera people. Similarly, I've heard a lot of conversations about how the publishing industry is really difficult to get into if you're from a minority. So that's still a really dominantly white space. Mm. So that's sort of like we need at that level as well. We need to see more diversification for sure. What about this line? Um, Society doesn't always teach us what we deserve. I guess in a way we've talked about that a little bit, about everybody deserving to see uh, diversity in their books. But does it go beyond that? Yeah, so I, I have a bunch of fun minorities. One of them is queerness. And I was pretty lucky with my experience of growing up queer. But Sometimes when you're a child, the only people that like you that you can meet are made of ink and simile. Mm-hmm. Society doesn't always teach us what we deserve. Specifically, those lines are talking about the fact that you can belong to a minority that is not reflected in your family, whether mm-hmm. that's from a place of disability, whether that's from a place of queerness. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be that you're actively discriminated against. It can just be that you don't have anyone else around you. And from that, society doesn't always teach us what we deserve. Sometimes you don't even know what you're missing until you get to see it in something else. So it's that thing of when you don't have the people around you to teach you what you deserve, whether that's love, safety, wellness, accommodations. Sometimes the first time people from minority backgrounds see stuff like that is in a book. It goes way beyond any idea of representation, that in itself is not enough, is it? Just to show things. It needs to be much more than that. Yeah, but it can be a really useful first step to self-advocacy, which 
ideally no one would have to self-advocate but unfortunately a lot of people are in positions where they have to and it can be really helpful to have that first step to see how you even start that journey so we come from your poem to a picture book which is so gorgeously illustrated by Joelle and I wondered what that was like for you when you saw it for the first time and how she'd interpreted your words maybe then I could also invite you to choose a spread that you particularly appreciated and and we can talk about that Joelle did an amazing job anyone who looks at the book (laughs) can immediately see that it's literally incredible (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's Thank so you. beautiful. Just even looking through and seeing this through thread of this sort of main character, which I almost hesitate to say it's, you know, the character at the front, the character at the end, and the character throughout. But we see yeah. so many different children who look different ways and have different nods to different identities, which was really, really important to me. The words in bookworms are difficult. A lot of kids who get picture books are not going to know what resonance is. (laughs) And that's a journey that you can go on. But like I said, there's also something for the importance of the sound and the flow. So it's almost like even taking out the poem just to have these images of these kids who all look so different and so many types of people that we just don't see enough of is already incredible value to the book itself, in my opinion. And then the other big thing, which we already sort of mentioned as well, is how well Joelle has captured the flow of things, which my favorite spread has to be the spread that has the line. So we spend nights curled around curled pages of reread books under covers with phone torches. And it's been beautifully illustrated with the, these swooping long lines across the two pages, which are reminiscent of like a duvet over your head but also if you looked at the side of a book and that turn of the page and then also this feel of waves as well and the line itself because a lot of my poetry sound is really important so we spend nights curled around curled pages of reread books has that flow to it mm. and this I think is a really good example of a spread that captures that flow in the imagery as well. Joelle, what do you think of Nyanda's sort of response there? And what were you trying to do wow. with this thread? <laughs> I always love listening to somebody else interpreting my artwork because I don't tend to have the words to what I do and why I do them. It just kind of comes out. But I intentionally wanted to wanted it to feel like she looks like she's underneath duvets. But again, as well, having it look like pages from a book as well. So every layer also representing all the different nights having books in there as well all the different books that she's reading and just I kind of wanted to be fun and playful as well so incorporating um some textures and patterns in there as well I hope I captured Mm -hmm. that flow right you explained it so great (laughs) you just said it all (laughs) I loved in that spread also the the light and how cozy that felt that kind of very golden glow it's reflected on the side of the duvet uh, and obviously the light that she's shining onto the book I just love that whole feel Joelle if you were to choose one what would it be that one was one of my favorite spreads but also it would be the last spread where um, the ending a good story shows you a new world and the right story shows you you can exist in this one if I've got it correctly yeah 
Um, that was actually the when I first got sent the manuscript, they asked me to do a sample illustration. And that was literally the line that I chose. <laughs> it looked the sketches I initially came with looked quite different to this one, but still quite close. But yeah, and again, from when I just read the book, I knew already I'm not just going to have one main protagonist. It's a book for all children. So I made sure that you saw people from different identities and all children saw themselves in this book so it was just like this little girl just opening up this wonderful book and just seeing a world that she feels belonged in she feels invited you see an artist handing her I think it's a paintbrush or handing something over to her and it's just like it's just so inviting and welcoming and all the other kids are just so engaged in the page and it's that feeling when you're just reading a book that you just feel like you belong in it's your mm. home, your family is in there. One of the things that struck me on that page was scale, because the the figures have been quite small uh, on the page throughout the book. And in this last spread, the scale of the, the character is much bigger. It's almost like she's grown in visibility, in stature, in, you know, everything is that much bigger for her. I wanted to feel like you saw her come to life more like kind of mm. come to life after feeling that she belongs in this story she exists here so you want to see, so that's why making her quite big and large mm. to kind of feel like she's filling up the space a presence I'm a pre- yeah, says, I'm a presence yeah now. Like I'm here because you're yeah <laughs> literally yeah fantastic I think that we've come to the end of our time but I really want to talk to you for another hour <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so interesting and you've obviously got so much more that you could share with us. I'm hoping that you might do another book together at some point. And if you do, maybe you'll come back and talk to me again and we can cover all the things we didn't get the chance to (laughs) discuss today. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, Nyanda Joel, in the Reading Corner. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. This episode is generously sponsored by Anderson Press. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. If you would like to find out about other events and courses, visit justimagine.co.uk. Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.